Amen. Well, hey, this is the third week of the month, which means we got a little more of a prophetic emphasis that we like to put uh, on this service and, and into our teaching and our training. And so um, we're going to stay with our series on clarity because this is really a prophetic-inspired um, type of a series anyways. And, uh, but I got some things for you today, and, and really this is going to um, impact your capacity to understand um, how the prophetic um, interacts with seasons. And, you know, um, we're, uh, it's, how many of there's there's seasons in, in the kingdom of God? There's timings and seasons. There's, and as people, we need to be aware of the timing and the seasons of God when he's saying new things and when things are shifting and when things are transitioning. And, and uh, how many guys would say that you're in a season of transition right now? You know, a lot of you guys in the room are in transition. You feel you're in transition. Um, I would like to propose to you that you're never... Um, that you're never not in transition. It's just sometimes that transition um, impacts things that we really, really like and we don't want to let go of it. So we feel that one a little more, don't we? How, how many like to transition when that thorn in our flesh gets removed? <laughs> we love that transition. We call that upgrade. It's like, oh man, the Lord is moving. I got breakthrough. That, that thorn in my flesh is gone. It's amazing. Praise God. The Lord has removed them and plucked them out. But, but how many know that when you, when you need a little maturing and a little wisdom in your life, and God's got you in an opportunity for you to grow and stretch and to do things you've never done before, and uh, it, it can be a little, come on, a little faith for new beginnings. Come on, somebody. Going somewhere you've never gone before, the Abraham journey, it requires something out of us. And, uh, and so in, this, in, in these places of transition, we really need clarity to be, so that we can overcome Unto possession. I think that's important for you to understand that even in this series, as we open up and kind of take this next step, that I really believe that we need clarity so that we can overcome unto possession. I said we need clarity so that we can overcome unto possession. There's a three step experience there. There's clarity so we can overcome unto possession. Say that with me clarity to overcome unto possession. It's not clarity to overcome unto feeling good. It's not clarity to overcome to finally sit down. It's not clarity to overcome so that we can, you know, be popular. It's not clarity to overcome so that we can get more money. It's clarity to overcome so that we can possess the thing that God has said is ours. How many know that the responsibilities changed for the children of Israel when they, when they began to possess the land versus dwelling in the wilderness? The way that they lived, the way that they interacted began to change. And, uh, and so today I want to spend some time um, on this, uh, this reality. And, and I believe that we're overcoming in three areas. I believe this encounter of clarity is bringing us to overcome in three areas. And, and we're, when we're staying, we're going to kind of stay in this lane today. Um, last week I spoke with you about this idea of revisitation. And in the idea of revisitation, um, I really believe that God is bringing us back to things where, we, where things didn't work out very well in our lives. He's bringing us back to moments where we believed a lie rather than the truth. He's bringing us back to moments where we didn't overcome. And he's going to create the opportunity for us to overcome. How many of the children of Israel, they, they had a chance to go into the promised land 40 years earlier than what they did? Come on, somebody. Spies went into the land. They were pretty excited about it. They went in there. 
And all but two came back with a report that says, hey, we go in there, we're going to die. Joshua and Caleb, they were two of the spies serving under Moses. We know they came back with a good report that said, hey, the, the, the Lord says this is ours. We can do it. Let's go after this. Let's repossess or let's go and possess the land. And how many know that in that moment that uh, uh, some people made a decision not to overcome? Anyone been ever in a situation before where the, the, what needed to be overcome seemed insurmountable? We talked about David last week being a person who was prepared for a moment. And, you know, I can only imagine probably the most fearful moment that he had to overcome was the moment that he took off Saul's armor. You know, some of you are in the room right now and you feel really, really vulnerable because you just said no to the most logical thing you should have said yes to. But it didn't match your identity. You know, my father spoke last week about putting on the robes of righteousness, putting on our real identity, putting on what it is that God has said for us and how that this creates a clarity in who we are. How many know that when you're operating who you are, you can't put on someone else's identity? It'll misposition you. It'll put you in a position where you're feeling a little heavy. It'll put you in a position where you're, gonna, you're not going to have the mobility that you need. And here we have David, a trained assassin who, who needs a lot of flexibility to make this thing happen that he's about to do. And so um, he had to make a choice that says, I'm not going to do the thing that this person would do. I'm going to do the thing that God has made me ready to do through the process and embrace who he says that I am. Kind of get a big amen on that. And so, you know, in this revisitation, what's beginning to happen is, you know, there, there's been some moments where we were, we were about to face the giant and we didn't take off Saul's armor. Let's think about what would have happened if, we would, if David would have left his armor on. Doesn't kill the giant. Gets squashed. Israel gets defeated. You know, run away, run away. Right? You know, there's been some situations in our lives where we didn't take off Saul's armor because we, we, we fell or we caved in the pressure of trying to perform and become something that we weren't to be able to overcome the thing that we knew we were called to be victorious over. And so, you know, just like the children of Israel, they made that decision. They said, hey, we're going to believe ten of these spies, two of you, go away. This, we're going to die if we go into the land. And 40 years later, they had to revisit the decision if they were able to overcome. You know, I prophesy over you, every single one of you right now, that you, are, you have spent 40 years processing that last decision. <laughs> and the Lord has brought you to the Jordan River. And he's saying, hey! Do you believe that you can overcome? See, you know, uh, sometimes we, we can get a little anxiety, a little bit of stress when we begin to think about revisiting the things that maybe we failed in or revisiting the places where we uh, exercise limited beliefs. We can, we can, you know, take on a little bit of, you know, I don't know, fear wants to come over us and impact that decision. But how many know that we were called to overcome? Can I get a big amen? We were called to overcome, and so I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready for, for upgraded mindsets. Come on, we're casting off those old mindsets. And so in the first week, we talked about re revisitation and this, and this concept and really taking on childlike values. How many know that, that you know, a, a childlike individual is going to look a lot like Jesus? Amen. <laughs> 
He doesn't want us to be childish. He wants us to be childlike. And so, man, if you missed that first week when we started Clarity, you need to go back and listen to that. I gave you seven core values for being childlike in the midst of revisitation. Things that will equip you and get you ready so that you don't presume the outcome of the past, but you get in a position to see as heaven sees so you can truly overcome when you revisit. And uh, someone say, upgrade. Upgrade. And so um, I, I think in, when it comes to overcoming, that first of all, we're, we're going through a season of re- revisitation. The second thing I think we're going through is appointment. And the third thing I think we're going through is new direction. Revisitation, appointment, and new direction. You might want to write that down. I think these are three keys, three areas that uh, that God's bringing us into that's going to lead us to overcoming unto possession. And it's revisitation, appointment, and new direction. Revisitation, appointment, and new direction. There it is on the screen. And so today I want to spend some time on appointment with you and talk about um, what it is, the experience of appointment that's going to lead us to overcoming unto um, possession. And so uh, before we jump into this, I want to refresh this on a few things. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 10 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And so I love verse 8 where it says, he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. This word insight is clarity, okay? And so how how many know that when God does something, he always does it extravagantly? God never wastes anything, but he always does things excessively. He always does things abundantly. And so when God brings insight and when God brings clarity, we need to realize that something is about to shift. I'm about to have a wave of insight. I'm about to have a wave of clarity because he doesn't just hand it to you. He lavishes it upon you. You guys know what lavish is? I mean, it's like having five gallons and just opening them all up and just pouring it all on. I mean, it's a good little lather he gets going on when he releases something. And so when when God's bringing an encounter of clarity, he lavishes it upon us. I love the story in Daniel. We won't go spend time here, but Daniel was a person who received clarity. And it was in his clarity in Daniel 9.22 that he was able to understand the visions of the Lord. How many of them, we need, we need clarity in our lives to begin to, to, to understand what it is that God wants to say to us. And, you know, I would propose to you that God has spoken a lot of things to us, but really they haven't impacted our lives because we didn't understand what it was he was saying. Anyone have a few prophetic words you still got a question mark next to? When is it going to happen? Where is it going to happen? Who's going to be involved? Why is this important? What is actually happening? Right? We're asking some of those questions about those words, and we need clarity to understand. And so when clarity comes, it comes in great measure. When clarity comes, it brings insight to understand what it is that God is wanting to say to us. And so I want to talk to you about appointment today. I want to talk about clarity in your appointment. I believe that God is appointing people in a a fresh way right now. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, Moses, my servant, is dead. Mm Mm-hmm. This is true. 
Turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses here. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn away to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that was written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And, uh, and so there's a, there's a promise here at the end uh, where uh, the Lord says, hey, you're going to be of great success. And it's going to come to you in success. And, and this root word in success has a strong connection to clarity. And so you know, there's something beautiful that happens in transition when Moses stops what he's doing and Joshua begins to be who he needs to be. Someone say clarity. You know, there, there's something beautiful about the moment when we let go of the leadership that we needed in the wilderness and we begin to embrace the leadership we need to possess. Come on, somebody. How many know that we need different values and a different set of skills to, to, um, to uh, uh, survive in the wilderness versus prosper in the promised land? Come on. I, I got Nick for an amen corner right now. I love it, Nick. He's tracking. He's like, I'm in it. I'm in it. I love it. You know, the, how, how many know that in the wilderness, what, let's just think about this for a second. What do you do in the wilderness? You survive. What does daily look, life look like? It looks like you get up and you move your tent around. You look for water. You pick up a little manna off the ground. You throw out yesterday's manna because it's got maggots in it. Because you thought maybe you could sneak and, you know, want past the Lord. And, uh, you, you know, come on. How, how many know that life in the wilderness is a little different? You're thirsty all the time. It's like, you know, we go to the beach. And after we go to the beach, we come back and we get in our cars and, uh, you know, if you took your personal car to the beach and you come home after vacation, how many know that vacation is, be, you're being reminded of that vacation for weeks to come afterwards? What's happening? That sand is everywhere. I mean, you got to take five showers just to get the, the sand out of all the cracks. You know what I mean? I mean, that stuff just sticks to you. And it's like, oh, my gosh. It's like, could you imagine spending every day in the desert? It clings to you. It holds on to you. It reminds you every moment. Anyone ever got sweaty and you got sand in all of your crevices? Come on, it's not a good day. How many know that you're, you're looking for, 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 for temporary sources of vegetation? Because there isn't a lot of it. Me, meaning a, a temporary solution 
you find a little bit of vegetation. How much vegetation is there for a million people in the desert? Not a lot. You can only boil so many leaves. There's only a few. Come on, somebody. How many know that the, the and, and so you start to build that picture to all of a sudden contrasting it with the land full of milk and honey. I mean, the land that's prosperous, the land that has grapes that are like as big as your head. You know, they, I mean, they had some prosperous understandings of, of what was available to them. And, uh, and so there, there's different tools that are needed in the wilderness versus the promised land. You know, and I, you know, Mo, how many know that Moses was appointed to cross, to lead the children of Israel into the promised land? He was appointed unto it. But you know, it was in that moment where he struck the rock in anger, where God said, I'm not going to allow you to go into the promised land. And, uh, and, and, then, and then on top of it, you have these spies who aren't believing that they can go into the land. And so we have a scenario here where the person that was supposed to cross over dwells in a place that they were never supposed to be, but needed to be until they were willing to get their mind right. How many know that the children of Israel in the wilderness were a renewed mind encounter away from possession of their promised land? Was it God's will for them to be in the wilderness? It wasn't. It wasn't his desire. But how many know that the wilderness became a necessary experience for them to let their mindset die, a.k.a. a whole generation had to die, until the young people that were full of faith could revisit the experience of saying, hey, let's assess this promised land and let's see if we're ready to go in and go take it. And so I'd like to propose to you as well that in the midst of that process that they had to make decisions about saying, how can we make ourselves ready for the land that we thought that we couldn't take? And so there's something beautiful about the wilderness that also says, hey, I'm, God might not have made me come to the wilderness, but how can I use this time in the wilderness to make myself ready? And so here it is, the children of Israel, that's what they're doing. Joshua had this beautiful moment to make himself ready. And how, how many guys know that Joseph wa, or Joshua was appointed after Moses died, wasn't he? There's something really beautiful about that moment when he comes in Exodus chapter 33. I don't have time to read all of it, but it says that the, the presence of God would come and dwell over the tent of, of, of meeting and that Abraham or uh, Moses would remove himself from the tent, but it says that Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain in the tent. Isn't it interesting that in the wilderness that Joshua began to learn what it looked like to be friends with God? Isn't it amazing that Joshua was leveraging Moses' relationship as friends with God in the tent of meeting and hanging out in the outskirts saying, hey, this is kind of cool. Can I have a little bit of this? This is pretty neat. Am I allowed to be here? Hey, can I stay a little longer? Hey, Moses, I realize that, you know, you and JC, you're, you're like done with your little meeting here. Um, okay, can I hang out? Can I get a little more of this? How many know that in the wilderness we're able to get ready? You know, there's some of you that have been in a wilderness experience, you've been upset about it, and, uh, and you're like, you know, you, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of reasons why we find ourselves in the wilderness, but I don't care who's at fault for the wilderness, I don't care if someone did it to you, I don't care if you screwed up, what's true is that the wilderness can still get you ready. Come on, somebody. 
And I tell you what, we, we got to be aware to understand how many know that Joshua would not have been ready to be appointed had he not spent a little bit of extra time in that tent while Moses was hanging out with, with, with God. And I'd like to ask you, what is the moment where God's presence is visible in the midst of a difficult season? Where's the place in your life right now that you could be aware of what it is that God has been doing, what he has been saying? And how can you use these moments to rest and to habitate in who he is and who he wants to be for you in the midst of it? You see, Joseph needed clarity on who it was that he was to become. You know, Scripture gives you your last name. You all have a name. You have a first name. You have a last name. When you read Scripture, you know what your last name is. Son or daughter of God. <laughs> right? Son or daughter of God. And, and so we know what authority we come under, right? We know what authority we have. We know what access we have because of that. We know what, um, what capacity is, is there for us. And how many know that you don't need a prophetic word, you don't need a rhema-inspired word out of the heavens to understand who you are when it comes to your authority here on the earth. You don't need that. You already know. You can just read the Bible. It's that simple. You read the Bible and you read the promises, you can find out through Scripture your last name. I, I'm, I'm, here with, you know, the, I'm, I'm here with the God family. I'm here with the Godfather, you know. Come on, somebody. And, uh, you know, it, it's like uh, you, 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 go to a, you go to a place and you're with that family who's got favor and you show up and, and there's a reservation. I, I'm, with, I'm with this party. I'm, I'm with the last name of this group. I'm, I'm with the Smiths. You know, I'm with the, with the Wrights. I'm with, I'm, I'm with these people. Oh, you're with those people? Ah, you have full access. But it's interesting because, you know, what if... If scripture gives you your last name, what if prophecy gives you your first name? You know, my, uh, we, we just had this beautiful baby boy, number four. Thank you guys so much, by the way. You guys have been so generous and so thoughtful. Like, I can't say thank you enough. I mean, the meals, the gift cards, the gifts, the phone calls, the text messages, and uh, the deliveries and everything. Like, seriously, so extravagant. Thank you. So much. It means so much. One of the things that Melissa and I have been really intentional about is naming our kids. I'm sure many of you in the room the same way. And, uh, and so we, we like, you know, names aren't always very easy. You know, sometimes we have family names. Don't, either they don't, they don't feel meaningful or they mean something we don't love or whatever. Um, I was very blessed and fortunate to, to have a last name that I really like. You know, I like the meaning of it. Neil. It, it means champion, okay. It means champion. You've probably heard me talk about this. Um, and so, you know, we're, uh, it's, Neil's an Irish name, and, and Neil was actually a conqueror who took over Ireland in the 4th century, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and so I've always appreciated this fact that my last name is Champion, and I really believe there's power in names. And so I declare that I'm a champion all the time. And, and so I, I believe it's also, um, because of my position here with our community, um, I believe it's also part of our DNA as a house. I believe we're champions. Come on, somebody. And I, and I give you permission to receive my identity declaration anytime you want to. Because you know I'm stealing yours as well. I want it all. Come on. And, uh, and so, you know, my children did not get to choose their last name. And actually, I don't get to choose their last name. 
It's a family name. It was given to me. I'm giving it to my kids. You know, we were just doing this assessment on how many Neil boys there are. And when you look at my great-grandfather, like, we're doing really, really well. I think we got 12 or 13 Neil boys that are all going to be able to have kids and make the thing go forward. They all want families. Like, the Neils are in a good situation for my, for my great-grandfather's bloodline. So we're talking about all this. And, and so, you know, my kids, they, they know that they're a champion and that they're all going to overcome when it comes to their life. But how many know that each one of them have a little specialty, don't they? You know, it's interesting. We, we had this lady. She was, you know, uh, nearly 80 years old. And her, her name was Sister Lita. And we were at uh, Mount Zion Church at the time. And I was on staff there. And, and in 2007, Melissa gets pregnant. And, and so, uh, you know, she comes up to me. And we hadn't told anybody that Melissa was pregnant. We, it was, we'd had a miscarriage right beforehand. And that's a little difficult. And it happened right at the same time that Melissa, her, her grandma had a heart attack and collapsed in her, in her arms. And, you know, so there's just a lot of dynamics going on. And so it was a little bit of a hard season. And so um, we've just come out of that. And Melissa gets pregnant again. And, uh, and we're like, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to hold on to this for a little while and make sure this pregnancy takes. And so Sister Lita comes up. Melissa's eight weeks pregnant. And uh, she was from Texas. And so she was a good old southern girl. And, uh, and so I, I used to call her Yoda, um, not to her face. But she was like the Jedi master, okay. Sister Lita was the Jedi master. And, uh, and so, um, you know, she, she came up to me and, and she, she got her little finger going. She had a cane and her walker sometimes. And she got... She said, Drew, the Lord has spoken to me that thou will have a boy, and he shall be fruitful and of a double portion. And even now your wife is pregnant. Like, hang on, let me pick up my jaw real quick. Hold on one second. Here, here we go. All right, put that back in. That's a neat word to get, isn't it? And so it was like so funny because... You know, at the time, you know, Melissa was already, she'd already picked out a boy name. And there was this TV show that was, you know, that she liked. And um, we got any Netflix junkies in the room, you know, come on, so I'll be honest, a little bench here and there. And, uh, and so she had had one, you know, Netflix wasn't really a thing at that point, streaming-wise. And so, but she had a show that she loved, and in the show there was a character named Ephraim. And she's like, Drew, I love this name Ephraim. And I'm like, it's okay, you know. Um, it's very biblical feeling. Um, it's not the same spelling as the tribe of Israel. So that's, you know, interesting. And uh, I'm like, you know, honey, let's not, like, name our kid a name where people have to say, I'm sorry, what's your name again? I'm sorry, what's your name again? Oh, wh what was that? One more time. Can you speak up? You know, like, I, let's not do that. And, um, and, I, and I'm also not just for the, uh, you know, sometimes stereotypes are funny. You know, Christians who are passionate naming their kids biblical names. You know, it's like, that's interesting as well. Anyways, so um, I was like, well, you know, let's just think about this a little more. And so I, anyways, Sister Lita comes and gives us this word after the fact. And so I'm like, all right, look, fruitful and of a double portion. God, this is who you're beginning to say my son is. He is going to overcome, but he will be fruitful and of a double portion in everything that he does. And so, um, a, you know, a few weeks later, I'm, I'm doing some research for a, a sermon series and I'm in Isaiah, and, and Isaiah is prophesying about the tribe of, of Ephraim and, and uh, talking about how they're fruitful and of a double portion. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I look up Ephraim's name. I'd never looked it up before. And, uh, and, and what, guess what it means? Fruitful and of a double portion. How, how, how many know that 
you know, the, the Bible is his, is his last name, but that prophetic inspiration is his first name. You know, some of us ha- are trying to be appointed and trying to do something because we know we have access, but we still haven't put on the garment of our identity to know what our first name is. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You see, appointment happens after you know who you are. You know, what, what if Joshua would have gone to the Lord and said, hey, Lord, I'm the servant of Moses. I'd like to introduce myself. I've been appointed to the children of Israel. I'd like to introduce myself for the first time. How many know that that wouldn't have gone over so well, right? How many know that Joshua began to find out not just who Moses was to the Lord, but he began to find out after Moses would leave the temple who he really was. Now, he already knew what tribe he was a part of. He already knew the inheritance of Abraham. He already knew that he was close with Moses and that everything God had done for Moses was a generational blessing. It was an everlasting blessing that Moses was walking in because of what God had done through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he already knew what access that he had. But it was in his communion with the Lord that he began to find out who he really was. You know, it's interesting in 1 John 2, you know, Jesus is talking here and said, hey, you have no, no need for a man to teach you. No one can teach you who you, um, who you really are uniquely. You can't be externally or internally defined um, because the reality of your identity is only defined in heavenly realms. You know, there's some things, it's like Jesus is encouraging the, the disciples, hey, you know, I'm going to send my comforter to teach you in all things. And we always think that that's about theology. Right and left. Directional. But how many know that no book can teach you who you uniquely are? But you can't understand direction for your life until you realize the capacity of the anointing that's on you uniquely. We already know signs, wonders, and miracles. That's in your last name. Come on, somebody. We already know heaven on earth. That's in your last name. We already know you're seated in heavenly places. That's in your last name. I want to know what your first name is. We need to know what our first name is. And this can only be defined in heavenly realms. Sons of Sceva, another great example. They were saved, but they didn't know who they were. Paul, I know, but who are you? The demons didn't need to know. They knew that the seven sons couldn't answer the question. How many know that the angels and the demons know who you are? Because your first name is founded in heavenly places. And they're, and they're preparing for who you are. Angels are carrying mess- messages for who you are. Reinforcement for your identity. They carry capacity to enlarge your, your ability to go and do the things and to create the mission, the mantle. Push those things forward. They're, they're, they're infantry to go before you, right? I mean, the demons are getting ready because they, they're, they're, they're quivering in their shoes. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen when the Robinettes find out who they are? Oh, my gosh, Michael, what's going to happen when you find out? You know, Jason, oh, my God, if these people, get, if they get it, look out, something's going to happen. How many know heaven knows who you are? Heaven was designed you for something beautiful. And so I have a question for you. Do you agree with who heaven says you are? Do you agree? 
you know, one of the things that's starting to open up for me right now is that God's, like, I'm, I'm discovering that there's favor for me to talk about racial reconciliation. I don't know that I like this little favor that's on my life, to be honest with you. Not because of the outcome, but because it comes with a tall responsibility. And you can actually pray for me about this right now. Because where the head turns, the body follows. <laughs> now, I would love for our church to be as diverse as possible. Like, I think we need to look like the whole body or nobody. But to carry this as a message and to put that into public front comes at a sacrifice, doesn't it? you got to know that that's who you are to take on that responsibility. Come on, somebody. When you take on responsibilities, you gain anointings for things, which is amazing. But when you take responsibility for it, it also comes at a sacrifice. Do you agree with who heaven says you are? I'm having a conversation with the Lord right now. Lord, I need to know if I agree. Because I see a path in front of me right now, and it's full of favor. But I don't know that it's easy. It's full of unknowns. I've never gone there before. I'm being connected with very, very influential political people at a national level right now that are very interested in this conversation. Talking to people I have no business to be talking to. Washington's at my door right now. I have no clue why. Outside of God's asking me, do you agree? I'm like, Lord, I don't have time for this. Like, I got I so much going on. Like, Lord, what is, like, do I stop doing all this other stuff? Because I, I feel really good about this stuff. Lord, this is not a convenient time. But what if Moses, my servant, is dead? What if the marching orders are adjusting? What if this moment of transition is a moment for you to begin to believe who God says you are, that you'd walk into a season where you'd overcome unto possessing the land that God's asked you to possess? You see, all of us get pretty excited about when we get appointed unto things. not talking about this a lot right now, and so I'm talking about it, and I'm encountering the Lord as I talk about it. So just give me a minute if you don't mind. Whew. You see, everybody wants to hold the microphone. Everybody wants to be the person a lot of us, you know, and, and either you fear it because you want to run away from the pressure or you, or you want it, you know, because you want the credit. And, and both are, are wrong motivations, right? But, you know, when you, when you get appointed unto something, I tell you what, and you say yes to it, something beautiful is available to happen. And God has a dream behind the appointment, not for your benefit, but for the benefit of many around you. We can have good ideas. I have lots of good ideas. And you know what? And I bless you on your good ideas. I do good ideas all the time. God doesn't always tell me what to do. I'm a good son and I get to steward it. I make wise decisions. 
I ask him, I'm open, I'm, I'm looking, you know what, but if I don't get some word from the Lord of Drew left, right, left, right, straight, 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 then I'm going to do my best to make wise decisions according to the thinking and the renewed mind that God's given me because I have a new one. i got to trust it. Either I trust it or I don't. And I'm going to walk softly, walk wisely, all those types of things. But you know what? Sometimes God brings something and it becomes available to us. And it is a moment that marks us, that gets us ready to do something for others that, um, that wouldn't be possible unless we said yes. I would like to propose to you that if you're in transition, that maybe Moses, God's servant, is dead. And that he's, he's preparing you to, to get ready for a moment where you would pick up where someone else Dropped the mantle, dropped the position, dropped the responsibility, dropped the expectation. Do you agree with who heaven says you are? You know, here's Jesus, the Savior of the world. He had to agree. Not my will. He had to agree. God, this isn't the thing I would, I would sign up for. This isn't actually the thing that I'm that excited about. Fully God and fully man. He was both, wasn't he? Which means he experienced all the pain. He experienced all the suffering. He experienced the process of letting go of his desire so that he could walk in the appointment of heaven to become the ultimate sacrifice for the world. Can we just say thank you, Jesus? How many know it wasn't a comfortable moment for him? And so I, I really believe that there is there's something unique that's happening in this season. And I, I had the word surprise at the beginning of service. I opened up worship with the with the word surprise, and and uh, and, and I'm kind of seeing where the Lord was 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 what He was doing there. And because I I believe there's there's a there's some surprise appointments that are in the room right now. I'm prophesying over you, actually. This is a word from the Lord. There are surprise appointments that are in the room for some of you right now. And in these surprise appointments, things are very suddenly going to begin to open over you. And you're going to have to make a decision if you believe with, what, with who heaven says you are. You're going to have to make a decision on whether or not you are willing to get ready in the midst of the wilderness. You know, a lot of us are looking for the appointment that we think is coming in the wilderness, but sometimes we get distracted because we're in the wilderness and we don't allow ourselves to get ready. And so the question is, in the wilderness, is do we believe who God says we are when we're there so that we can get ready for the moment to say yes to the appointment when it comes? Because I would like to propose to you that you're being made ready out of context. How many know that if you're being made ready in the wilderness, all you've learned how to do is pick up manna that's about to disappear? All you've learned how to do is to move tents. You haven't known what it means to live in one place. You haven't known what it means to raise a garden. You haven't known what it means to be in a place of rest. Nomads were, were traveling the southlands of known Israel. This is where the children of Israel were at. Nomads, they ravaged and they had to become people of war. And they were people that were impoverished and beggars, survival and, and survival of the fittest. How do you get trained in that place to all of a sudden to go into a place of inhabitation and peace and prosperity? You see, you're getting prepared out of context. You're being made ready out of context. Moses was raised in the palace out of context to become a deliverer. 
Joseph was raised out of context in prison as he was falsely, as he was abandoned, accused, and forgotten. He was raised out of context to be made ready. You see, but the powerful thing that Joseph did is that everything touched, he touched prospered because he believed the picture of the, of the word of the Lord that he gave him in the beginning of his life that he was made to rule a nation. Some of us have forgotten who heaven says we are. We've been in the wilderness, we've been abused, we've been forgotten, we've been abandoned. We've been in places where we didn't believe that we could overcome, and so we left the promised land, went back into the wilderness, just trying to survive. And the question in this moment is if we're going to be appointed, have we made ourselves ready? Did we take advantage, and do we believe that God could get us ready in this season? Do you believe who heaven says you are? Do you agree with who heaven says you are? You see, the trap and promises is trying to make them happen when God said it was something he was going to do for us. And a lot of us are excited about the appointment because we believe it's going to give us the authority to do for ourselves rather than to steward what God wants to do for a nation. Come on, somebody. If you have a wilderness perspective about being appointed, you're going to be focused on what you're going to be able to do for yourselves once you come into wealth. You're going to be focused on yourselves, what you're going to do with your authority and your power. But how many know that when you get appointed, it's not for you, it's for them? Oh, that's holy right there. That's holy right there. I said, when you get appointed, it's not for you, it's for them. God, let our hearts cry for appointment be for the benefit of many. Let it be for the benefit of many. Lord, let the idea of appointment be something that would blow our minds away. That, Lord, we would, that we would be so overwhelmed and wonder if it's possible because it's so big that it would require you. Your wives and your little ones and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock. Those are the ones that God's thinking about when he appoints you. Others. Fruitfulness, prosperity, the capacity to walk out the fullness of the abundant life. This is who God has in mind when he's appointing us. To be strong and to be courageous. You know what's exciting is that when, when you made yourself ready and you've embraced this moment and you've said yes to God. The promise of the Lord in the moment is just as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. 
Just as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. There's some new appointments coming in the room. Clarity is about to come in great measure. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Aha. See, you've been made ready out of context. But appointment comes, and then revelation becomes very available for what it is that God's been getting you ready for. You know, there's some of you in the room right now, and you're just encountering the Lord, and you're beginning to even understand that God's been getting you ready. That he's not been wasting this wilderness experience. That you've been saying yes to him. You've been faithful in it. <laughs> yeah. And the Lord's about to appoint you, and he wants you to know that this is a season of, of courage and strength. And that you're about to be just completely overwhelmed with the reality of God's ability to do something through you like never before. And, and I, just, I, I just see, just like David with, um, in the caves of Adullam, this is a word that I carry that as well, and I just release it over you. That, uh, that those who are in debt and disillusioned and discomforted, that God's promise is that he will raise up mighty men of war out of these out of this group of people and uh, and there's some of you that are in the room right now and your wilderness experiences is even the fact that you're surrounded by people who are in debt disillusioned and discomforted and you've disqualified God's capacity to 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 bring breakthrough and to overcome in this scenario but how many know that the only thing that changed in the children of Israel was the leader And all of a sudden, a million people were able to prosper and go to possess the land. And uh, so, Father, I thank you, God, right now for the anointing, even right now that's coming over individuals in this room, Lord, to say yes to the process, to say yes to what it is that you're about to do, to say yes to the mission, the mantle uh, that's are coming over us. And, uh, and, and, and so, Lord, we know that mantles are connected to missions. And, Lord, um, missions stay with people until they set them down. And uh, we were prophesied over that, um, that people had set down mantles in the north and in the east here um, in context to Generation 1 um, from, from Troy, Michigan, if you will, in the north and in the east. And I believe that the, the angel of the wind of change that was prophesied to visit us has dropped these mantles in our environment. And I prophesy over you that these mantles are available to be picked up. And this is some of the surprise appointment that's happening right now are actually missions that people, um, things that were prophesied, things that were stewarded, even for up to 25 and 30 years, are, have, are literally hanging in our atmosphere right now. And I just hear the Lord saying that there is, there is a capacity for world change outcome that's hanging in the atmosphere for those who have made themselves ready in the wilderness, for those who have not left the tent of his dwelling, for those 
who were willing to believe that just as God was with Moses, so shall he also be with you. There are mantles, there are appointments, there is capacity for regional and national change that is in the room. We, I joke here, but it's not a joke. We're the biggest little church you've ever seen. I declare this is a house of ambassadors. I declare this is a house of nation shifters. I declare this is a house that will impact and disciple nations like no house has done before. There is a history setting, anointing over this house to shift influence within every sphere of influence in the earth. I see kings. I see queens. I see sons and daughters going in places of royalty, opening up their mouths and prophesying. I see blueprints. I see solutions. I see special forces. I declare God is about to appoint you into a new season. And the question is, church, will you believe who heaven says you are? Come on, church, just begin to pray right now. Come on, just open up your mouths. Father, we just say yes right now to who you say we are. We say yes right now. Lord, to the process, we say yes right now to being of great courage, to being of great courage, to being of great courage. Because God, truly, just as you were with Moses, so shall you be with us. And so, Father, we thank you for our last name. We thank you for the access. We thank you for the authority. But, God, today we choose to believe who heaven says we are. We choose to believe who heaven says we are. 